0: Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson today after Oklahoma's 52-42 win over Kansas. The Sooners needed that one, snapping the three-game losing streak and improving to 4-3 and three on the year. And it seems like, at least from my perspective, what's old is new again. Oklahoma has a really, really good offense when the starting quarterback is healthy and playing. And on the flip side, Oklahoma's defense is bad. And it struggles at times situationally. But every once in a while, though, it can surprise you and get a stop or play well for a, a stretch or a spurt of the game. But you know what? That's where we are in this season. And there's no reason to dwell on it because Oklahoma needs wins the best way they can get them. And you can't take, a, take any wins for granted. And know you got one finally after nearly a month on Sunday. So, Grant, I ask you on this Sunday morning, or I'm sorry, on Saturday, yesterday, uh, on this Sunday morning, Grant, how are you feeling? Feeling really great.
1: Just happy they got the win yesterday. I uh, had a lot of fun watching the game yesterday. Um, it was nice. It, it was kind of nice going into it with expectations different and then going in just kind of hoping that they just play better and that they can just win in any way possible, honestly. I would have been happy with anything in that regard. Uh, but a game that I, I really felt like they, they, were the, they were the much better team. And it was a game they controlled, really, a vast majority of the time.
0: What did you learn about Oklahoma yesterday, if anything? to put you on the spot. Yeah, I, I think learn um, I, I learned that they're they're pretty resilient
1: at this point in time, which is good to see. Um, we said coming onto this podcast, at least I said last week that this this team is definitely teetering a little bit. And if you don't come out and you don't play well in this game, and you lose to Kansas, who knows where the season can go? I mean, who? I mean, going into a bye week with the bad vibes, who knows where it can go? And so that's why it was really really encouraging for them to come out, especially offensively. On Saturday, recognize the urgency of the situation and obviously play their best game offensively of the season. Kansas at no point in time was a threat to OU's offense. They, the only thing that stopped OU
0: on, on Saturday, Lee, was OU. That was it. Really the one downside of the offense, others well, too. I mean, they had three turnovers. They were all on Dylan Gabriel, three Dylan Gabriel turnovers. Otherwise, he played really well. And then at the end of the second quarter when they couldn't punch the ball in, before halftime, that was that also was, um, bad break that on that. Though Marvin Mims scored
1: on the on the play before they got down there. So just that was that was a tough a tough position the officials were in there that they just got wrong in the moment. I thought I
0: texted you during the game, and I thought you said that it looked like he didn't get in. No, I no he got in. How, well, I mean, how it's, did they miss that then on replay? Yeah, I, I uh, well, so
1: because the the replay angles weren't great, and so there was no angle that showed his his foot touching out of bounds so they just had to stay with what was on the was on the field and it was weird they called him down in bounds on the field no part of his body ever hit down in bounds oh i guess i didn't uh you know i was right there and i just assumed they called that a touchdown so it they was just it a, they down no they the field? they called him down oh. in bounds at the one yard line in in oh, real okay. motion and the only thing that ever could have gotten him down was touching his foot touching out of bounds There was no angle that showed his foot touching out of bounds, no angle that showed any part of his body touching inbounds. Uh, They got screwed on one of those whatever they called in the moment situations.
0: Well, yeah, otherwise, though, I mean, the offense was great. They come out. uh, So one of the first things I thought of when the game began uh, after the coin toss and something something that you said on the last podcast, you said, if Kansas wins the toss, they should take the ball. Kansas won the toss, Grant, and deferred, and that was a bad idea. Because Oklahoma got the ball and went down and took its first lead since Nebraska. Uh, what did, did you think about that at all? Whenever Kansas decided to defer to the second half and give OU the football, the I didn't the know game they deferred. They I don't
1: think they said that on TV. I just knew oh, OU okay. was getting it first.
0: Yeah, so I I, I kind of thought about what you said. I was like, oh, that's uh like man, this is great. Oklahoma uh, has a chance to not go down immediately, seven nothing by uh, putting Stevens on the field. Yeah, it worked gra- I mean, It worked out. Yeah. It worked out perfectly. It's like I think that was.
1: Man, that was like really the only break that OU got in the game. Thank you, Kansas.
0: <laughs> so and it was just, uh, I guess I asked you what you learned about OU. For me, what I learned is, yes, this team is taking this, uh, this season seriously. It's, it's not tanking the rest of the way. They're not giving up. And I think a big reason for that, and the, the only reason for that, honestly, is Dylan Gabriel because these guys know when he's playing, they have a chance to win because the offense can be really good. And if he wasn't available, it's it just just in the season now. And so the, the confidence of this team and knowing that they can win any game when their starting quarterback is healthy and playing is important. And I guess that's just confirmation to me that uh, this team, I think, is very different when he's available. I think everyone knows that. It's just it's a reason why I wasn't as down on the Texas game because I knew that when Gabriel wasn't there, we weren't going to get the, the same type of Oklahoma team we're going to get the rest of the year, likely. Now, this is one game. So it's one game of confirmation. Uh, certainly, Dylan Gabriel is capable of, of having bad stretches and playing poorly. Again, he had three turnovers uh, yesterday, uh, and all three of them were kind of on him. Uh, they were on him. And so uh, he has to kind of play almost perfectly because, I mean, the defense had a nice stretch. I know that we're kind of on opposite ends of the defense. You're a little, little more positive about it. I, I'm, not, I'm not super down on it. Like, the defense was about what I expected, not very good with a nice stretch in the middle of the game that helped Oklahoma separate. Uh, I just kind of want some more improvement, and I don't know if we're going to get it all year. I just don't know if they're going to really improve. They're kind of just are what they are, especially considering the offenses they're going to face. Uh, there's, some of them aren't going to be that great. I mean, some offenses are not going to be as good as Kansas, but some are going to probably already played. be
1: better. I'm sorry. The, these are the – and I guess, you know, with Bean and Jalen Daniels, there's obviously a difference there. Uh, but other than that, I mean, uh, you know, I suppose. Oklahoma State and Texas Tech – are going to pose some challenges. West Virginia, I guess, has been able to score points, too. Honestly, yeah, all all the offenses are going to kind of have their own unique challenges outside of Iowa State. They're just not very good on offense. But, I mean, OU's defense
0: isn't very good, so I'm sure Iowa State's going to be able to move it. Yeah, I'm not. Basically, my expectations for Oklahoma's defense is, you know, it's not going to be very high the rest of the year. And it goes back to kind of what I said at the start. It, it It seems very similar to... The OU teams we've watched with Lincoln Riley where hey, the offense, we're pretty confident in that. And you just kind of hope the defense can get stops at opportune times and get off the field. And you know what? I mean, I guess whatever, we'll take it. As long as Oklahoma has has a chance to win games moving forward, that's all that matters. Uh, But it's just like, you know, really just expected more out of this defense. And for the last, you know, four weeks, certainly it was better than it was the last couple of weeks when they got absolutely destroyed by TCU and Texas. But, uh, yeah, I just, that's kind of what the defense is. And, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. But I think there's going to be a lot more bad than good, especially when you play better teams. But, again, it's a win. And I, I'm trying my best to, you know, there's no reason to poo-poo that because I'm happy Oklahoma won as well. Uh, we were both sitting here last episode. We were talking about how Oklahoma was favored by a good amount and how we understood it based off of the idea of sports books and betting principles. And, and really, that played out the way – it should have or we expected, but also on the other end, it also made sense for people to think, why is Kansas getting all these points? I'm going to back Kansas because Kansas, if, if you got the the closing line at Kansas plus 10, you pushed. So, I mean, it, both sides of it was kind of weird. I mean, Kansas got a couple of late scores to make it closer. Uh, but the reason why they were able to get a couple of late scores is because, I mean, one, a turnover by Oklahoma and also Oklahoma's defense just isn't very good. So uh, it's. Kind of the way it is, and Dylan Gabriel and that offense is going to have to be humming and clicking. And hopefully, man, keep that guy healthy, keep Dylan Gabriel healthy, because if he is not healthy, he misses time. Then there's really no point to the rest of the season. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really what it is, honestly, because the defense isn't going to get any better. I don't think. Where do I you want to go? I don't, start- I, that's that's I think I think you're being a little too dramatic about this one.
1: I, I think they can and will get better because I just I've, I just saw them get better. This is this is the best defensive game they've played since Nebraska. And they're also going to have Billy Bowman coming back at some point in time this year.
0: That's, hopefully that's the case. So, at least, uh, yeah, was, hopefully. Hopefully
1: they get him back at some point in time this year.
0: If they keep winning and, and everything and there's like a reason for him to play and it's like not a lost season, I'm sure he'll... Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he wants to play no matter what. So, I mean, no matter how they're doing, I'm sure he wants to get back out there. I'm not sure what his status is. He, he wasn't dressed. He was in street clothes again at the, at the game on Saturday. But uh, let's, talk, let's talk about the offense. I mean, the offense was great. Uh, it was... To get the ball, go down and score, Dylan Gabriel, I mean, I'm not an expert on every single team in college football, but he might be the most important player to his team in all of college football, and I, I just, I can't imagine a backup quarterback situation as bad as, as anywhere else in Oklahoma. I just, you know, maybe that's just, you know, I'm close to the program, and we've seen Davis Bevel, and uh, the fact that nobody else has played, it's been so, so, so bad, and then when Gabriel does play against Kansas, it's, it's great. They go over 700 yards of offense, they average seven yards per play. Uh, Grant, I wasn't wild though about. He ran the ball a little bit too much. Like uh, he yeah, had a designed fair. run play that's called for him in the first drive. Yeah, not a huge it fan. I, been, and
1: one of the you know one of his fumbles came on on one of those things too. So um, there, like there it was, was a couple speed there. option kind of look. Th- There's yeah. a couple. Like I mean, if he's scrambling, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, well, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you got to do what you got to do to get yard if you're scrambling. But yeah, kind of like the designed ones. Yeah, not a huge fan unless unless their logic literally is. Hey man, we can't control injuries. We just got to run our offense.
0: And sure, and that's that's probably yeah, it just I think back to, and I'm sure you remember this as well because maybe we discussed it on the podcast here and there. There was times, at least once or twice last year, if you look back at the numbers, Jeff Levy ran Matt Corral a lot, a ton, and I think it got it got him banged up last year. And I mean, he ends up getting injured in the bowl game when Levy wasn't even there, and that was you know it I don't think it had anything to do with him running. I think it was him against Baylor doing something I mean, like pass. I don't know, but it's just there's a bit of a history there, at least based on last year with Matt Corral. And Matt Corral is a much better athlete, I think, than Dylan Gabriel. He's a much better runner. But, I mean, that's part of the offense, clearly. And moving forward, it's like, yeah, that's part of the offense. They got to call those plays here and there. I mean, it certainly worked out. I think it was late in the game when they were running the clock. I think they, they called Gabriel. He have a zone read. He went out the pocket and ran and slid. That was great. Got the first down. I think that might have ended the game for them to to run the clock out and take knees. Well, it's just, you know, like the way we saw the team play without him, it's gosh, he's so important. But, you know, I mean, they're going to run the offense. Dylan Gabriel said all the right things after the game. He said, hey, it's football, man. I, only, I didn't even think about getting hit, really. It's just you play football, you know, you're going to get hit. That's a violent sport. That's wh- That's what it is. And so I liked his attitude afterwards. It's he wasn't even thinking about, you know, getting hit against TCU. He knew, you know, that's part of the game. And He's back. He's fully healthy. They said there was a chance he might have been able to come back against Texas, but the doctors and trainers and everybody, they were looking out for him, and they said, nope, we're going to wait another week. And so he passed everything with flying colors, and so you hope he's good to go for the rest of the year. And uh, anyways, that's just, that stood out to me a little bit. couple design runs because he's just so, so important to this team right now. Yeah, Him getting injured just would be such a deflating feeling for obviously the fan base, but also I think the team. The team would be very deflated.
1: Yeah, and I think um – I mean, maybe one of the reasons why you know there's a little bit of more pep in my step is that after the game yesterday, Lee, it's like I do. If if Dylan Gabriel is there and playing, OU does have a chance in in every single game they play the rest of the season. And that's you just good feeling, mean, that's, and, and the team knows that. The team certainly knows that, obviously too, and that that means a lot to everybody. Yeah, and so and and it sucks. It sucks that that's the case. And remember last week, that's why I was so down, right? And a lot of it was just the logic of. If, if you're that reliant on one player from preventing you from getting beat 49 to nothing by a team that should have lost to Iowa State yesterday at home, then that's that's a really huge red flag. That was my logic. And um, clearly it's a huge deal. It's, it's very obviously a big deal, Lee, because this was the first game, Lee, that we've seen OU's offense fully healthy and fully moving really since the Kansas State game. And if you remember in the Kansas State game, Lee, they shredded Kansas State. The only thing that stopped OU was... Oh, I
0: remember. Was, oh, I remember very bad, vividly. Was
1: just shooting themselves in the foot. And so now we have we have three consecutive games where OU has been at full strength offensively where they're getting chunk yardage really easily, actually. And there's dudes open everywhere.
0: I know, and, and that's... I guess it's almost like people were forgetting that because that, that that's what made me so so much more positive about the, couple, the last couple of games without Dylan Gabriel. I was concerned I, about the yeah. mental, where the team was going.
1: Cause I, you know, over, that was perfectly reasonable. Over perfectly the last reasonable. three weeks, it seemed like the team had gone into the gutter mentally. Because I, I feel like that was the only rational
0: explanation for why they had fallen off a cliff. And that's totally fair. And, and from my perspective, and I didn't have any sort of evidence other than the first part of the season to go with it, my thought was this is, this is obviously a Dylan Gabriel thing. If They know that if he's not available, what, what's the point? We suck. We're, we're not good. And to your point a second ago, that is a red flag. The coaching staff needs to have better players behind him that can actually play competent football whenever their starting quarterback goes down. You have to have that, and that's on the coaches. The, the roster behind Dylan Gabriel – is bad it's really bad clearly unless somehow general booty and nick evers are actually better than davis bevel but for some reason they're just not showing us those guys or they didn't show us those guys which doesn't make any sense to me even though some people i think want to bring that up or think that's like some sort of theory it's it's bad so that is not a good thing and so in my mind i just i wanted to see it and it's one game again it's one game of confirmation when dylan gabriel's out there i wanted to see that how the team played and they played well especially on offense, and, and the defense definitely responded and seemed like they could – you know, the defense knew that the offense was going to have their back, and so, again, we're, we're one game of sample size after the, the huge free fall of the TCU and the Texas game and to some extent the Kansas State game, and it's good. So what's going to happen? They're going to have a bye week. Now against Iowa State, they're going to go in there with some confidence, some positivity against Iowa State, knowing, hey, Dylan Gabriel, he's here. We can win this game. And so we'll go into another data point. How can they play against Iowa State? And we'll get there. We got time. They got, they got some time off to hopefully rest up, get more fresh. I know that them being tired has been kind of a, uh, a narrative over the last couple of weeks uh, because Brent Venables brought it up after the Texas game. And it sounded like they did a couple different things differently this week. Maybe they didn't go as hard at practice. They kept the legs fresh a little bit. And whatever they did seemingly worked because you know they, they obviously played you know the best game. You know, you said the best offensive game, definitely, of the year. And you know, they played some complimentary football at times against against Kansas. And there was that stretch in the middle of the game where they were able to extend that lead to three touchdowns, and that proved to be the, the the biggest part of the game because Oklahoma was able to play with a big lead and separate, which they haven't been able to do since the Nebraska game.
1: And they did. And you know, I I think we all wish they would have separated more, but maybe that's just a thing that we that we look out for this season. Maybe that's something that they're able to do later on. And so. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before we, we hopped on to record, but the win yesterday looked a lot like a Lincoln-Riley win, you know, from, from 2018 or from 2017, it really did. And after the last three weeks, after losing three in a row, I'm okay with that. Whatever this coaching staff has to do, whatever they've identified what they need to do to win games this season is what they should be doing. I don't want them to be forcing stuff that they want to do later on right now. It's much more important to win right now. And if they have to win like a Lincoln Riley team, they need to do it.
0: Oh yeah, and I think there's no question that as much as we wanna you know, wonder like, okay, is, is Brent Venables trying to do things to get his team ready for the future schematically and you know, is that gonna make it difficult on them to win now? I I don't know much about that because to me the the defensive side, like yeah, like you can tell me because I I, I got to go back and track it. I, I know the first series, Oklahoma defensively, they were in four down. They had four down linemen on the field the entire series. Was that their? I mean, that, I'm gonna guess that was their base defense yeah. all game. it was. So they,
1: a lot of their formations on defense were. It was really similar to the Kansas State game.
0: So then it makes you kind of wonder moving forward. All right, is is that a uh, you know? Brentables will tell you every single game they'll figure out whatever whatever set whether it's you know the the three down look the four down look whatever gives us the best chance to win going against that particular team I mean again like I don't know if there's been yes you can look at the first couple of games and like the four down linemen worked really well and then the TCU game the Texas game it was a lot of three down linemen and and it didn't work very well and at times against Kansas State when they had three down linemen it was hit and miss Uh, there wasn't really a whole lot though of evidence that one was that much better than the other to be honest but except for the four down lineman had that success in the first couple of games. And now they went to it against Kansas and yeah, I mean, they got some stops here and there, but Kansas still was able to get some yards and points and here and there. So point being, I wonder how, how it's going to work out the rest of the year. I'm sure, you know, honestly, I'm I'm not talking myself into it. I'm sure it's going to be probably the same, like whatever Brent Venables thinks, if it's a heavy passing offense or something like that going in, they're going to probably try to run more with three defensive linemen on the field and get that going again. And, uh, but anyways, I don't know. Uh, what was I trying to get to? Oh, the main thing is the offense. If the offense is is good, Oklahoma's going to have a chance to win. And it doesn't really matter what the defense is doing, whatever Brent Venables is trying to do with the defense, because I think they're going to give themselves chan- a chance to win because the offense can score points. I, that's where I was trying to get to. It's like... Because you mentioned that you want them to do whatever they can to try to win as many games as possible this year, I agree with you. I think they're going to do that, and that that's all dependent on the offense. <laughs> the offense is going to win this team games, yeah, and hopefully we, the defense can be complimentary.
1: I agree. Let's I, let's let's talk about like other things, other because we've it's been a very like Gabriel centric discussion up to this point. Um, how about Eric Gray,
0: who is who is Fantastic. very good? He's very terrific. Good. 20 carries, 176 yards, averaged almost nine yards per carries, a couple of touchdowns. And, man, that takes uh, – I texted you during the game. He gets a touchdown wiped off the board. Very next snap, scores a touchdown the very same spot. Didn't that That's happen uh, against Nebraska it's too? big time.
1: I, I, I think it did. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. But how about um, – I think I know what you're talking Lee, how about. How about Eric Gray? That's the guy that I saw in Tennessee highlights
0: when he transferred here. Same. Explosive. Uh, good vision actually really running through arm play, tackles yeah. breaking tackles yeah yeah he uh he was fantastic uh you know 20 again 20 carries he's great and he's uh i mean i i think we i mean everyone likes eric gray good for him i mean that kent state game when marcus major kind of looked like the better player all the way back in week two and it was like i don't know what's going on with eric gray here and then the next week against nebraska he he Broke out and it was. I think we talked about like, man, he must have heard all the, all the people criticizing him. Like right now, Gray,
1: Mims, and Willis is like that's a pretty good little three-headed monster they have there. And we haven't talked about Willis yet. Willis was really good yesterday. So yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, back to Gray. It's yeah. I'm glad you brought up the Kent State game because even I was there. Even I was just like, okay, okay. I'm I'm ready to kind of come around with what everyone's saying about major. But hey man, fast forward, and now Eric Gray looks like the guy that we all hoped he would be, and straight up, it looks like Javante Barnes has kind of overtaken Marcus Major. Whether or not that be for yeah. injury or whatever, but that's just kind of the story on Marcus Major.
0: Yeah, Javante Barnes had 21 carries yesterday. He had one more carry than Eric Gray. Didn't do a whole lot with it. Only 69 yards rushing. I mean, only 3.3 yards per carry. Didn't have a couple touchdowns near the goal He felt pretty line.
1: productive, though. Like, it wasn't a bad 69. You know what I mean? Like... He was always kind of falling forward. The bat- was always going yeah. forward.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just it's it's very similar though. I mean, it seems like Javante Barnes though does have a lot of that in him though. I mean, the, the, the spring game where we were like, ah, he didn't do a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of big plays. This game, I mean, it seems like, like I, I he's capable of whenever he gets some room to run. It seems like he's got some skills. They kept but. him
1: on schedule. It, it's it felt like they were going they were going with Barnes more between the tackles. And Gray was going kind of more outside zone. That's what it felt like while I was watching it and rewatching it. Um, but I, don't, I felt like Barnes
0: kept him on schedule, even when he was in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to your point about Marcus Major, it's that guy, that kid. I don't know if if he's hurt or I mean, the whole thing with him missing the TCU game was weird because I had heard that he had practiced in full all week, and then he didn't even make the trip to Fort Worth. And but Brent Vendables a week later had said no, like him and uh, Marcus Stripling were. The reason they didn't make the trip to Fort Worth, it was it was injury related. I don't know. It's it seems like every time Marcus Major has any sort of chance to potentially grab himself an opportunity, he just finds a way. Whether it's I don't know his own doing or injury, I don't know to to fall out of favor. And now he's back seemingly. I don't know if he's even third string. I don't. I mean, it was just basically two guys. It was it was Gray and Barnes yesterday. I know Major was there. He was dressed. He was ready to go. So that's just it's kind of unfortunate for him, man. Like is. He's he's been in Oklahoma now for a long time. He'll kind of go through spurts and look good, but then he can't sustain it. He can't be consistent. So, I mean, it's a long season. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure he'll get some opportunities in this offense. We talked about it a million times in the off-season. Maybe not a million times, but we bring it up here and there is that in Jeff LeBby's offense, there's there's a lot of carries to go around for a lot of people if you're if you're willing to get them and you're there. But Gray is so, Gray is
1: clearly the feature back of uh, of yeah. this offense and um I'm glad I, I don't know where I would put Eric Gray like I remember coming into this season thinking sort of like Eric Gray's ceiling was like was basically Brennan Clay uh, from the early 2010s uh, he's he's definitely better than Brennan Clay I um, I don't really know where I would put him at this point in time but he's man he's good maybe maybe he's more Damian Williams is a good comp for him
0: very nice how about the receivers? You brought up Willis, but let's talk about Marvin Mims. You texted me. It was I texted he you 17 targets. It was
1: actually 16. But 16 targets for thank Marvin you. Mims. Just th- a round of
0: applause. Thank you so much. You caught nine of them, 106 yards. Uh, we talked earlier about the touchdown that you said should have been a touchdown. I thought it was a touchdown, too. So should have had a score. And um, it's just, yeah, you said it. You said just get this guy some target. Pepper this guy with targets, and they did. And that just keep it going. Keep it going. Give that guy the ball. They started a the game player, with a
1: with a go route to him and with a perfect throw. Would have been a touchdown. And they also, um, you know, Gabriel missed him again where he had a couple of steps on a guy where it would have been a touchdown. I think that was in the second quarter. So I mean, dude is open. Dude's I mean Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm just glad that the that the the game plan existed to just get him the ball as many times as you could. And there are a few times, man, where he was open too, and Gabriel just missed him.
0: And yeah, I mean, I know a couple of people have said it in the last couple of weeks. You got to reward this guy for. I mean, he's a really talented player, and he stuck around. He didn't. He didn't leave. He didn't transfer out, and he he wanted to stick with Jeff Lebby and this offense, Dylan Gabriel, because he he knew he was going to get a lot of targets and a lot of chances. And he was the first few games, and then yeah, Kansas State, so a little bit, but then the last two, obviously without Dylan Gabriel, it's been it's been a trying time, not just for Mims, but for every single receiver on the team. And you know, he wasn't part of the Texas game plan with the Wildcat. Marvin Mims wasn't. And so now he comes out, he's super fresh, and boom, they target him, they throw the ball around all the field. Good, keep that going. Get that guy at least, you know, get that guy at least ten targets a game. If not fifteen a game. He needs that. And they, they do and, I mean, they yeah. need to throw him. They need to try when they recognize the
1: man coverage, they do need to just try three or four of those go balls to him a game. They they're they're going to hit on him eventually. They're going to start getting hot with him eventually cuz it's been open a lot this
0: year. No doubt. And just and let him go make a play. If even if sometimes he's not open, let the guy try to make a play. Sometimes the best receivers, you just you you trust them to go up there and and even if it's not there, maybe he can knock the ball down turn into a defensive back or something. Yeah, maybe if it um, really the- is
1: just one-on-one coverage, maybe Gabriel kind of underthrows it a little bit next time. See if he can
0: actually go get it, make a play. Force a PI. It- yeah, Gabriel doesn't implement the back shoulder a whole lot, does he? he that's not a, really part of his game, or at least part of this offense. He underthrew as much as you Farouk saw.
1: on a deep ball, and it, it forced them, it forced the, the Kansas defensive back into a tough position, and they got a, yeah. they got a, a, a flag thrown. It probably was 50-50, and... but slowed down.
0: It, it, it looked like it was interference, but tough, tough spot. You mentioned Braden Willis earlier. He had a quiet five for 102 and a touchdown. Uh, to me, it was just like, oh, he he was over a hundred yards in that game, huh? He
1: had okay. a lot of those. He was open a lot over the middle of the field on kind of some of those RPO looks. Kansas, man, they they left the middle of the field open all day. It was like OU, OU's defense. See,
0: <laughs> so yeah, I Willis. I mean, uh, a week after being the Wildcat quarterback and taking a lot of punishment between the tackles, now he's turned back into a, a pass catcher. Very good stuff. Very good stuff. This is kind of the Braden Willis with his with his athleticism, his build. He looks like a Greek god, you know, when you see him around. He's such a big dude, and he's super. I mean, he's just jacked. He's jacked, man. He's big, and he can run a little bit. This is kind of what we were hoping to see him do, for all those years, you know. With, I mean, not necessarily under Lincoln Riley, because I mean, like, it's just that offense. But he just never had really broken out. We'd seen a couple of times where he would you know, kind of break out like I, with that. I know you always bring up that play against. Uh, I can't remember if it was TCU in Virginia. 2019. TCU. Yeah. Like where he like caught a ball and like reached over the pylon scored. It's like he shows these bursts of athleticism and playmaking ability, but then he would disappear. And now consistently here in this offense, obviously, again, with the caveat when Dylan Gabriel is available, he's showing off what he can be. And so, you know, Braden Willis is a guy that I'm sure he's very happy that he made the decision to, uh, not that I don't know if he would have gotten drafted. I'm sure he wouldn't have gotten drafted if he would have gone to the NFL. Like He needed to come back for another year. He could, and he's making the most of it, so that's good for him. Yeah, whereas now he definitely wouldn't have been drafted if he would have gone this year, whereas now it's probably
1: it's – and I who knows if, if right now he's done enough to get into that conversation, but I think he's at least in the conversation. It's It seems like it's possibility. Where were you – what angle did you have, Lee, on his touchdown in the second half? I think it was in the fourth quarter like really impressive body control to stay in bounds on that one
0: i think that came right to me i believe
1: yeah no it was good and Is i also that, i'm, I'm also dive in? thinking to his uh his touchdown catch at the end of the kansas state game too i thought was really good body control to kind of scoop it off the ground and still squirt through to score on that mm-hmm. one um yeah guy's really athletic i hope uh Especially if he can if he can learn to better kind of use leverage and leverage his his larger body over the middle of the field to kind of wall guys off from the ball, man, he can be really really valuable going over the middle of the field. And we saw that today. I was also really um, re- really pleased with Gabriel's accuracy on those slants today. There was a the, Kansas was kind of giving it to OU on those; they were giving them those throws. And OU, I felt executed consistently for the first time this season on those throws, and so that was just nice to see. I just I
0: got I got to point it out because maybe some of the listeners are thinking it. I just I find it fascinating that we're we're always like a day later. But you say today, like the game just happened. I think that's that's fascinating to me. I think. I I mean, sometimes I'll I have it like up on my TV
1: right now. It's paused,
0: and so maybe I just. uh, Oh, maybe that's
1: why. Maybe my my brain just kind of fills in. the That's not to
0: say that I don't. I mean, I'm sure I make the. I'm sure I probably say stuff like that because I at the start of the show. I think I said the game was on Sunday, and it was obviously on Saturday because it's college football. Anyways, that's throw away uh, throw away throw away line. So yeah, and also Willis is is earning a re- reputation as a great leader and just a good football player and so obviously NFL scouts are going to kind of flock to that type of player anyway. So yeah, he's certainly earning himself a chance at, at the next level that he probably didn't have before this season. Or at least a, I mean, he he probably had a chance, but just it's a much better chance now. How about three uh, Theo Weese? got to throw him in there? Four catches, 56 yards had the touchdown. Uh, invisible against Texas obviously the game plan didn't involve really any sort of passing so uh, you know good to see Theo Weiss I mean I'm sure he's probably a guy that wanted a lot more out of this season so far there's five games left that Dylan Gabriel can keep playing there's more passes and balls to go around so he can potentially have a bigger a bigger role and then also you throw in Jalil Farouk who was a little more quiet yesterday but still made a couple plays and I mean they have some really good receivers on this team Grant they got and some, we kind of knew that going in receivers. It, good it's good receivers. to see it yeah, it's it's good to see it play out whenever the quarterback can get him the football.
1: And yeah, and I, I just don't yeah, when Gabriel has been there, I just I haven't really seen any instances this season where they're like getting just covered up consistently. There's guys open, like on every play, which I mean it's just really nice to see. So um yeah, I mean just to kind of, you know, put the cap here on the offense, I think, you know, a game where if OU doesn't turn it over I think it's totally reasonable to suspect they they could have scored into the high 60s and had 800 yards of offense. Um, Nothing was really stopping them in that game. And obviously, it it gives me a lot of confidence kind of moving forward, or at least more confidence moving forward. Because you know, Lee, I mean, health withstanding, if they have a game where they're they're coming out and they're not shooting themselves in the foot, I mean, they're going to have a couple of more blow-up games on offense where they're just not being stopped. And um,
0: hopefully we see that materialize. I do want to, before we put the, uh, the cap on the offense, a good way to end it, a lot of credit goes to the offense for that, that fourth quarter drive that burned more than five minutes off the clock. Fantastic drive. Exactly what the offense needed. You couldn't have drawn it up really any better. I mean, they kept getting the third down and short. Like, they were able to run the ball, run the ball, get the third down, which obviously took more time off the clock and then pick up that third down and short every single time, it seemed like. Uh, 16 plays, a 16-play drive, took 5 minutes, 15 seconds off the clock, forced Kansas to use all their timeouts, down by a couple of scores, and uh, resulted in a field goal. So I wanted to bring up that. That was really nice to see that because we hadn't really seen Oklahoma do that this year in that situation, and the offense came out and executed. That's exactly what needed to happen in that situation, that part of the game keep the uh keep the Kansas offense off the field and that was that was really good. And I think I think Kansas went down and scored, <laughs> got the ball back and scored, but uh didn't matter cuz Oklahoma had made it a 17 point game, made it a three possession game. So I wanted to bring that up. Did you have any thoughts on that drive? Yeah, I mean other than it was just a it was a good drive. Um and I
1: actually I you know, I I'm a huge never kick a field goal guy, but I I probably would have kicked the field goal there too. Most of it had to do with, you know, I don't know. Like it was, it was a game in which I thought OU really decisively beat Kansas, and it was kind of a fluke that Kansas was sort of in the game at that point in time. And I, I, I kind of liked the logic better of, I don't know, don't don't give Kansas kind of an opportunity to make sort of a, a crazy play here, maybe go up by three scores and actually in the game. Um, and that's what happened. And after Kansas scored, Lee OU had another. They. Didn't give the ball back to Kansas. OU was able to keep the ball for the next three and a half minutes, uh, which was which was really nice. Uh, OU's offensive line won this game in the tr- in the trenches decisively. I mean, it was not even. Gabriel got sacked once, uh, but that was the only time he was under pressure. The entire game, it felt like.
0: Let's turn the page over to the defense, and uh, you know, I a lot of credit to the defense for. Uh, I, I know you you brought it up to me before the show that it was you know, seven of nine series where they got the field. And that is good. I mean, I, I think it was, you know, the, the four straight where they were able to, you know, after Oklahoma's first turnover, after, after Gabriel's, the after the fumble, the defense bowed its neck and got a three and out. And that was huge. And Oklahoma Two consecutive went down and three and outs. Back-to-back three and outs. Then the C.J. Colden interception. And then another three and out. So the, that four series uh, stretch there where the defense was able to get uh, get Kansas off the field. By the end of that, It was 35 to 14. Boom. Fantastic. Uh, And, you know, CJ Colden, your guy, gets a a really nice interception. It seemed like he played a lot more. I don't think he started, though. He did not. And honestly, I I was going through, he didn't play a lot in this game. So I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch it. So that's. I'd be surprised if he had more than 15 snaps. Woody Washington was,
1: how many? I'd be surprised if he had more than 15
0: snaps. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Woody Washington was back at corner. It looked like so they, they went back to Key Lawrence, I think, and and Justin Broyles back, back at safety for most of the game. It seemed like Key Lawrence was everywhere. It seemed like he might have had a good game. Key at least Lawrence from had the a good game. level. He did. He was um, really Lee. I, I
1: I can't really pick out anybody who uh, the linebackers were were atrocious in coverage. I, I think that's the that's the biggest glaring thing that you can come across because. The defensive backs were good. I thought they were tight in coverage. Key Lawrence did a pretty good job in in, in uh in run fits. Um I don't know, man. I mean there was uh I, I thought the biggest issues were, were were linebackers in coverage and then just instances of just no push on the defensive line, especially trying to get after
0: the uh get after the passer. Deshaun White also had an interception and It came from film study. He was talking about that after the game. He was anticipating in a certain – I think it was the the certain formation they were in. uh, He was expecting them to either run a stick route or a slant route, and he said he was trying to kind of uh, make it look like he was going to go one way and bait the quarterback into a throw, and he did. And that was – you know me, I'm a big film guy. I, I like to hear guys talk about how they saw something on tape. And uh, so that was good to see Deshaun White get a pick there in the cheetah position. And that was right a after, he, made, uh, uh,
1: was after he, he batted down a pass on a swing pass, the play right before that. So two really good plays by Deshaun White. And of, of kind of the, the few bright spots this season, Deshaun White still continues to be one of them. He's had a good year.
0: He uh, and David Agwebu tied with the team lead in tackles. Each of those guys had eight tackles. Agwebu had a couple TFLs in the game. And I also had a sack in the game as well. So uh, it's just, I, I guess the defense, I will give them credit for that four-play stretch. Yeah, like seven out of nine series of not giving up points. They get credit for that too. But uh, I, I feel like I didn't learn a whole lot about the defense. They kind of are what they are. Uh, I'm happy that they were able to, at times, make plays. But I'm just, yeah, I mean, there, there can always be improvement, and you hope for that. But How about Kansas this has a good offense. How about
1: this? This is full-on half-glass full. On half glass full. They have had two consecutive games, and I know they lost forty-nine to nothing last week. They have had two consecutive games where they have played better on defense than they did against
0: TCU. Yeah, okay, that's that's good. I like that, and, and I haven't rewatched you know, the game back yet. So and, and maybe it's hard to say I, it last week, right? Yeah,
1: but they did play better last week against Texas than they did against TCU, and they they played way better this week than they did against Texas. I I I think there's a lot of plays that OU made in this game. There's still some things that they obviously need to clean up. Giving up 42 points is is never, like, good. But also, there's a few instances where you kind of got to take your cap off to, to Kansas for making really good plays. There's a few instances where OU did kind of force Kansas to be perfect in high-leverage situations, and they were. And sometimes you just kind of have to be like, okay, oh, well. Hopefully next time we can get more pressure on the quarterback. So, um, I don't know, man. And I, I, I do just go back to that. After the the, the Gabriel fumble at 14-14... to OU forces Kansas to go three and out. And from that point forwardly, after OU fumbled, the Sooners took complete control of the game. And a lot of it was it wasn't just on the back of the offense. The defense absolutely helped because after Dylan Gabriel fumbled from that point forward, seven of the last nine drives, Kansas did not score a point. That's huge. And the game was over in that stretch. The game was over. So you keep saying the game was over. I, I never... It was. They were, I, I guess, so maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic in the sense that, yes, if Kansas would have, con- would have gotten some bounces here or here, you know, here or there in the fourth quarter, they could have gotten into the game. They could have cut it to single digits, but they didn't. And I'm sitting here, for, for Kansas to stay within sort of striking distance, a lot of stuff had to go their way. So it was kind of a fluke they were even there. I'm just saying, OU was clearly the better team and that in those bit in, in those nine drives OU really separated and took complete control of the game. Yeah, I agree that yeah. And that hasn't happened to Kansas this season. That was hmm. by far like okay. you know they it, it can or uh, Kansas has been a good team this year. They have not been decisively beaten at any point in time in a game this year and OU did it. This same Kansas team once Jason Bean came in last week gave TCU all they wanted. And they, weren't, they were really only competitive against OU in this game for four of the 17 drives they had. I just I'm sorry, four of, the,
0: four of the 14 drives. I mean, to me, from, from the field level, when they were moving the ball, it seemed pretty darn easy for Jason Bean. I mean, he was just kind of throwing the ball around. They, they, they used tempo again. Uh, tempo against Oklahoma's defense is very successful. And I mean, it, again, is. it has is a good offense. I mean, Kansas offense is not. I mean, Oklahoma's faced some really good offenses the last three weeks, if not four weeks. I mean, Kansas State's offense wasn't good. It's gotten better since then when they decided to open the playbook up. And Adrian Martinez has obviously gotten a little more confidence. But the last three Lee, weeks, this, yeah. th- this has kind of been going around in my
1: head. Tell me if this is stupid. Tell me if this is a stupid thought, please. OU holds. Kansas scoreless on 7 of their 9 drives after that fumble. And I understand that I'm just kind of looking for anything here. Iowa Stately against Kansas or I'm uh, against Kansas only had the ball 10 times and they scored on 2 of those 10 drives. I'm sorry, Kansas against Iowa State. Oh, okay, I
0: was like that was con- I was confused for a sorry. second. Okay. So that's like what eight of, eight of ten. So
1: so in those nine drives that we talked about after that fumble, Kansas scored two touchdowns on nine possessions against the, in the entire game against Iowa State. Kansas scored two 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 times two touchdowns on ten possessions. Gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty
0: similar. Yeah, and that's just it goes to Oklahoma's game game flow. The obviously Oklahoma's offense is Oklahoma's offense, and they go really fast. And opposing teams are going to get a whole lot more opportunities than yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and I just,
1: it's, yeah, that, that was a game, and I don't know, I mean, that, this is a game that really reminded me, Lee, of, and we're going way back in the way back I mean, the 2008, remember when they went on the road to play Kansas State in Manhattan, and they, I mean, the game was never really competitive. They were clearly the better team, but Kansas State had like 600 yards and scored over 40 points, and OU still won by three touchdowns, and it was never really that close.
0: Those games and this game were, were really similar. They played Kansas State and Manhattan that year, did they? Yeah, with Josh Freeman. That's, that's one of the – I remember a lot of 08 games, but I really don't remember that one. Let's go to three-word reviews. West of Everest Facebook page, Justin says, just keep winning. Tyler says, much better performance. Allen, with some love for EG, Allen says, wow, Eric Gray. Hunter says, just keep learning. Ned comes in with "It's about time." Ellen says, "Unity, unity, unity." Grant, what would you think about the uniforms? Unity. What would you think about the Dave uniforms?
1: Chappelle. I liked them. They they're really sharp. So I'm, I am totally okay if those are in the rotation.
0: So here's the thing: I uh, on the field, I thought they looked they look fine. When I was rewatching a little bit of the game on the TV, I thought on TV they look bad. I don't think they look good at all. Like, you can't. See- I think it has to
1: do with. I think they're going to look a lot better at night under the lights. Probably. It just you couldn't see the numbers really. You could you kind of You could not see the numbers Yeah. It's it's tough to identify people on TV.
0: Yeah, I didn't like that. I mean, I, I really do think they should have gone with white instead of crimson with the numbers. Cause I think they'd pop more. But yeah, at night, I'm sure it would look a lot better just under the lights like that, but um, man, I'd prefer them to be a little more like like black instead of this anthracite kind of dark gray. Like I want to see straight up dark black, like not dark black, black stark. Uh, I don't know. I think that would look cooler. But I'm sure they preferred it to not be black playing because uh, in that that game yesterday, because it was it was warm for middle of October. I mean, it was in the you know mid to high 80s, and it was kind of warm down that. Yeah. Notice they had a uh,
1: they had a tent
0: covering the uh, the huddles like on the sideline like after the the drives. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Hmm. Janine says, "Good job, boys." Shelley says, "Much, much better." How about this from Matthew? Matthew says, "More RSJ, please." How about uh, Robert Spears Jennings getting snaps in that game? It was pretty sweet. He there was one play where
1: he uh, where he closed on Bean, he who was scrambling, totally blew him up. Had really nice, cl- and then he smoked him a really good clean hit where he closed quickly on Bean and got a, like a really hard shoulder hit in on him. Um, like really it knocked Bean off of his feet out of bounds. So, um, that was good to see. Yeah. I mean, there was, I, if, if you really want to look, there's definitely some, some good takeaways from that game. I, I thought obviously Spears Jennings looked good. And then with key Lawrence looking better, key Lawrence looking healthy, most importantly, um, I haven't talked about C.J. Colden a lot, except for you know him not getting as many snaps. But his his interception was a great play, just a great, great play. Man, I, I just I, I thought there was a lot a lot of good there. Um, but obviously, you don't want to give up forty two points, so I understand that that
0: side of it as well. Well, we're gonna end uh, the West of Everest Facebook page three word reviews with some negativity on the defense. Ben says defense still clueless. I mean again like it was definitely better. You know, I'm to me it's it's kind of did it look d- confused in this game? That's good. And uh Tim off the top rope. Tim goes Mike, Grinch, Brent. Ooh, ouch. I mean, it's it, I guess another reason why I'm I'm like whatever. I, uh, yeah, sure. I guess I'm compared to you, I guess I'm more down on the defense. It's it's just simply uh, you know, I'm a big believer in and I was texting you this the other day. I'm a big believer in you're the head coach, you're a guy with Brent Venables' resume, he's this elite defensive mind, and your side of the football is the one that looks pretty bad, and the other side of the football is actually kind of carrying the team, and looks really, really good. If it was flipped, and Lincoln Riley's offense was playing like trash, and Alex Grinch's defense was keeping USC in games, and holding teams to a touchdown, or you know, a touchdown and a field goal, and USC was barely scraping together 17, 21 points this year, like people would be killing Lincoln Riley. But, no, the offense there is really, really good. And so that's a, that's another reason why, I guess, the way I feel the way I feel. is like, They
1: also don't have – they have, like, entirely new personnel on the offense at USC, though. As opposed to, yeah, at OU it's, hey, it's all I, the I same. I agree with you. Like, I, I, OU's defense should be better this year than it has been. It, it really should be. But it's not at this point in time. As you can tell, I've, I've totally recalibrated my expectations. Sure, and that's that's I'm just that's happy cool. they won yesterday. Yeah. And they got some high leverage stops. When they needed them, oh, don't get me
0: wrong. I'm happy they won as well. That it's, I kind of you know like I, I wanted to say on the podcast last week that you know, if, you know we expected Gabriel to play. I kind of had the same feelings I did against you know going to the Texas game. Like if, if Dylan Gabriel plays, even though we're seeing Oklahoma play like trash, like I still I kind of think they're going to win. But it's kind of crazy even to even think that though, with the way they had been playing the last couple of games. Even if Dylan Gabriel was able to play, because like I don't know, what I'm going to get from this team. I'm not going to pretend like I know, (laughs) but now at least seeing one game with him back healthy, it's like, all right, there's at least that one sample size. It was a lot similar. It was pretty close to what we saw the first four games offensively whenever Gabriel was playing. And so I think, again, that's five games now, UTEP, Kent State, minus the Kent State first half, which we all kind of forget that was a bad first half offensively, and then after halftime they turned it on. So I'll definitely remember that. Uh, Obviously, Nebraska and then the Kansas State game, minus the penalties and minus three bad Gabriel throws, and now game five against TCU. I'm sorry, not TCU, Kansas. That's five, five data points of the offense being pretty darn good with Dylan Gabriel. And honestly, when the offense struggles or kind of slows, it's been on Dylan Gabriel, <laughs> with the exception of penalties against Kansas State. So he is so darn important, and we all know that. It's just confirmation of it. All right, let's go to the uh, my Twitter page at lee benson news nine as my internet can load a little wi-fi issue Here we go uh more three word reviews bobby says defense must improve bobby also says even front better referencing the four defensive linemen on the field for uh, the base defense of that game how about this brett says is OU good question mark
1: you know i don't want to go there yet we're not going to do that they looked good yesterday and that's just
0: where we're going to leave it see i take that as uh not like Brett's Brett's saying like I think he's like legitimately asking, like, is this team good? Like I don't know. And
1: maybe that's kind of they what you're saying. If they, too. Play, if they play like they did yesterday the rest of the season, then yeah, this is a good team. But now we, we we've seen seven we've seen them seven times now though. We've seen them look good in four games and look just absolutely heinously terrible in three of them.
0: I'd say they were they they were like two and a half of yeah, them. Yeah, okay. That good. That's I would say, like a, a mixed bag against Kansas State. Uh, let's see Tim says continue to improve more from Twitter here Jacob says love Braden Willis yeah Braden Willis I know a lot of people love that guy Uh, good for him he's a veteran player he's having his best season statistically and they trust him a heck of a whole lot and good to see him playing well Harry longtime listener Harry says half a hundred saw Harry at the game Harry uh, man he's he always goes man he's a big OU fan Good to see you, Harry. More from Jacob. He says brick by brick, referencing the building the program. More on the uniforms. Josh, longtime listener. Josh says, wear those again. So Josh liked the uniforms?
1: Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, they should pull those out. Um if they get a if they get a home night game again this year against Baylor, or Oklahoma State, they should they should try to wear those.
0: Wow, twice in the same year. Why not? Why not? sunny hill sooner protect dylan gabriel amen michael says dylan is greater than bean with the greater than sign i mean i'd hope so i mean jason beans a backup yeah. quarterback dylan Gabriel's a starter hey, i said i said going in the game
1: that bean was better than gabriel and oh, I, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. i did and maybe that's what he's referencing and hey I, I i do think jason bean has more physical gifts than gabriel does um I clearly Jason Bean is a guy who really struggles when you speed him up. And, um, I don't know if I think Gabriel is a guy like that kind of, but I think Gabriel has a much more greater grasp of, of what he's running and kind of where the ball needs to go. Bean, Bean is when he is, when Bean is back there in the pocket and there's everything is perfect for him, he can throw some dimes. That's, that's for darn sure. And it looks like he's, he's got a lot of straight line speed, but, man, every time that OU is able to heat him up in this game, he
0: he failed pretty quickly. Caleb says, let's go bowling. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves yet, Caleb. Oklahoma's only got four wins. Uh, so we need at least two. Yeah, more. No,
1: d- yeah, we don't want to. We're just going to we're going to be cautiously optimistic. We don't want to get there yet. Um, every, every game. I, I think we should expect every game from this point
0: on to just be a freaking battle going forward. Yeah. More from Twitter. Matt says, good enough today. Ain't that the truth? BW says, key Lawrence day. Giving Key Lawrence some love. And finally, Michael says, win column, baby. So not as many three-word reviews this week after the win as uh, after the disaster in Dallas. Eh, disaster in Dallas. Huh, I don't like that. Uh, which, is, which is fine. You know, I, everyone, I'm sure, is very happy with the W. And now a week off, I know like... Open weeks, bye weeks are always tough because you're like, yeah, you want to you watch OU football every single week if you can. But uh, at least for me personally, you know, working in the media, I actually don't mind the bye weeks because it's, it's a little more – it's like a deep breath for me. I know you guys don't care. You guys don't care at all about that, but it's true. Uh, where are you now with uh, – you know, Grant as a fan, where are you now with bye weeks? How do you feel about them? Um,
1: I, you know, so they don't bother me as much anymore because time moves so fast now. So it it just doesn't bug me as much as it as it did you know 15 years ago if that makes sense. Yeah. Um Whereas now I'm kind of looking at it more on the bright side where it's just like this is just a really good time for the bye week to come for OU. They need to they they need a week off playing seven straight to start the year is is a lot, and uh, I'm really glad that they they're going into the bye week on a good note. So and for me I'm just kind of like eh, honestly. It'll be a nice little week where I can maybe get away. I can go out and do something outside on maybe the last nice week of fall in Minnesota. So that's kind of how I look at it now.
0: Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's good. To, I mean, heck, last year their bye wasn't until I think after nine games. I was talking to Josh Calloway on the field yesterday. I think that's what Josh reminded me of that. Uh, it was was it was it before the Baylor game? Halloween or? weekend, I believe, was their bye last year so yeah i mean they they went even even further last year without a, a buy so yeah it certainly comes at a good time hopefully uh the momentum gain from this win is one of those things where it's like you know sometimes after a big game like a, a you know offense plays so well you're like ah i want to get back out there and play again in this situation the way they've been playing hopefully this actually does benefit them they can rest they can go into the bye week with that positivity and the offense is going to need everything it can get because i mean i don't think i would say it's very good but the the defense is very good i would say defense is good uh the offense, again, I, I don't think the offense is very good. I don't think Hunter Deckers is very good, but Oklahoma's defense isn't very good. So Iowa State's offense should probably plan on having some decent success. So Oklahoma needs all the time it can get, especially going on the road to Ames for the first time since, hey, the last time they were there, Grant, they lost in 2020. So They did. Are you uh what's 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 your stat? Are you going to that game? As of now, I'm gonna guess probably yeah. Probably yeah, but still as of now, we're at news nine. At this this time, a little little uh, inside baseball. We're kind of week to week at this point with things kind of going on. But uh, even with Oklahoma being four and three, not the greatest year. I-, I was kind of thinking, if Oklahoma lost to Kansas, like, are we going to care about going on OU team that's three and four? But now that Oklahoma won, if we can swing it, I'm sure I'll probably go. So, uh, haven't been to okay, a- gonna, yeah, haven't been to Ames since. Yes, uh, I am. You know, we I am went. going
1: to try to get to that game. Have you not been there since we
0: went in 2003? Yeah. Two thousand three, Josh, uh, Josh, uh, Jason White, Mark Clayton, um, guy who are all the guys on that team. Jawan Rankins
1: had a kickoff return Juwan for Rankins. a
0: touchdown in that game. That just that was almost. It's 20 also weird years too. Ago. I remember
1: OU was up like forty-two to nothing, and uh, Paul Thompson came in and he threw a pick-six on a screen pass, and that place freaking melted down. It was like the loudest I had ever heard a stadium in my life at that point. I do remember that. That's funny. I do. I do recall that.
0: I think that was the only score they was, had.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the final score was like fifty-two to nine or something. I, I uh, that was the score of the Bedlam game. That, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but yeah, I am going to try to get to that game too. I think Iowa State uh, also has a bye this week. So, uh, oh, interesting. Both teams will be coming off of uh, coming off of a bye. and uh, Iowa State should have beaten Texas yesterday in Austin. Kind of let it slip away from them there at the end of the game, and uh, I don't know if you've watched a lot of Iowa State this year. I haven't watched a ton, but I've. In, Xavier Hutchinson is their entire offense. No, I haven't. He gets like 15 targets a game.
0: I saw him a little bit against Baylor, you know, maybe a month ago because I was interested in that game because it was a battle of two teams that I didn't think were all that great going into this year, but other people think that they're pretty good, and I still feel like I'm, I'm so far been kind of vindicated on that. Like I don't, I don't think those those two teams are kind of underachieving based off of the expectations, and for me, they're kind of doing what I kind of thought they would. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think Baylor's offense is going to be very good. I don't think Iowa State's offense is going to be very good. And granted, Baylor did score a lot of points. I was shocked by that Baylor-West Virginia score as far as like, I mean, I I wasn't really sure it was going to win. West
1: Virginia's D, man, looked so bad in that game outside. They made some big plays um, to, to keep them in it. But man, they had a dude, I can't think of the guy's name from Baylor. They had a guy who was running wide open on deep crossers pretty much the entire game. And uh, I know Shapin Shapen left in the second half because he presumably got concussed. Oh, um, wow. and then Baylor kind of struggled the rest of the game throw, but Shapin looked pretty good throwing it. But man, it, it looked like West Virginia was busting quite a bit.
0: Uh, lastly, I mean, you mentioned that uh, you know good day in college football. Tennessee, Tennessee must be pretty good. I know Alabama might be a little down this year, but good for Tennessee. That game and was Josh so Eifel. Gra- insane. I got. I don't know if you. I was watching it live, but
1: it was awesome. I mean the some of the some of the images of them storming like storming the field and just like them some of the interviews after the game where some people were just kind of speechless and just sort of taking the moment in. It was like watching it live. I was kind of getting a little lump in my throat a little bit just thinking, "Oh my God, this sport is amazing! What an amazing sport this is!" Did you? I guess it's like kind of a. It must be an Alabama-Tennessee thing where you smoke the cigars after the game if you win them. There was a shot, Lee, of, of the stadium. Because if, if you actually watched it live, like when everyone was, uh, was storming the field, you notice that even a lot of fans who were on the field, they had cigars in their mouth and they had cigars like, in their hands and stuff like that. And there was a shot after the game of the stadium from the river with, like, you know, the, with the lights and everything of all of the cigar smoke coming from the stadium. <laughs> and that is the, and like, I'm watching that and I'm just like, this is the greatest
0: sport on planet Earth. This is so cool. Well the best part about it is that we haven't had a good goalpost teardown scene like that in a long time. And that that is one of the coolest things it's in college brought the, football. Brought the biggest smile to my face ever like ever. I love it's great. man. And then like leaving the stadium with the goalpost and walking them down the street. That's that is college you see that it? They is college football to the river. That yeah, you can't you, no, nowhere else can you get that. And that is only in college football and it it's so rare. You don't see it and in a game like that, it's warranted because Tennessee's been you know, crap for so many years and they haven't beaten Alabama in what 15 or 16 years or something like that. And you know they, you beat Bama in a season where Tennessee's playing as well as they, they, they're playing. and you know this is after the game where they drubbed LSU, which was kind of a trap game that you pointed out last week, and they, they passed with flying colors, and then they do exactly what they I mean, no one says they should have beaten Bama, but fans like, oh, we got to beat Bama now. They were touchdown underdogs, and they beat them. Good for Tennessee, good for Josh Heupel, but mainly good for college football because we got a great goalpost, tear down, walk it down the street to the bars type scene. Beautiful. Beautiful. And also, it was amazing. Yeah.
1: It was great. Great great day of college football. USC also lost in a, in a really good game, which is fun. It would have been a perfect day if Iowa State just would have been able to hold on in Austin.
0: <laughs> that was the last thing I was going to say. USC finally loses... My uh, my USC win total under bet is still alive. It's still alive for one more week. They they needed to lose that game to have a chance still, although I'm not so sure Notre Dame's any good, so it may be dead, but uh, you know, who knows? I mean, Notre Dame just lost to Stanford, but uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe Cal. Maybe Cal can be the surprise team. To- Cal
1: lost to Colorado yesterday. See?
0: Yeah, you know what? Maybe. I know, Colorado's awful, but they did get rid of Carl Dorrell, And he's obviously one of the worst coaches in college football. So he was uh, he was weighing the buffs down. But, uh, man, you're right. That's you can't lose to Colorado. That's 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 a big time. Yikes. But, uh, yeah, good day overall, though. Good to see USC finally go down, even though, man, Caleb Williams is he's so darn good. So, so, so darn good. Um, Let me see anything else. Nope. I think that's about it. Good stuff. Thanks for all the three word reviews, guys. This week, though, I got to say, Grant, with Oklahoma on a bye, I think we got to take a bye as well. I don't, I don't know if we I, – I don't want to do a show this week. I'll be honest with you. I, I want to take the week off of the podcast. Got some stuff I got to get done. Hopefully, you're okay with that. I think I'm, uh, I'm going to be all right with that. All right. I'll, uh, I'll put it on the West of Everest Facebook page as well just to remind people if you guys don't listen this far into the show. We're going to take this week off as well with the team, and we'll be back to preview Iowa State in a couple of weeks. Good Oklahoma win. They needed it. It's good to go out on a positive note, at least until the next time. Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.